God is good, amen? He is very good, and it is always a privilege to serve him and a blessing to, uh, specifically, it's a blessing to everybody, but of course, uh, single out the dads on Father's Day. Uh, it is a, not just a national thing, but it's a Bible thing to honor, honor the dads and bless them for their hard work. Can you just turn to a dad next to you or side of you and say, bless you, dad. Thanks for being a dad. By the way, there's no perfect dads out there, and there's no perfect dads up here either. Um, we do have a father in heaven who is the heavenly father who is, is the one that we bless and um, that we acknowledge he's the source of truth and life. Do I hear a, a loud amen to that? And, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, uh, one of the things, one of the searches when you go through the scriptures is you're always asking yourself, um, especially if you're teaching things because you're responsible, you're always asking, uh, you know, Lord, who are you? And, you know, as a young Christian, you know, you might pluck out a few scriptures and go, oh, God's like this and oh, God's like this. Um, but as you grow in the Lord and you start to get context, you know, you start to discover who God is. I was just sitting at home and I, I was thinking, I wonder how many sermons I've ever done. And I, I calculated, I've done over 1,100 sermons and messages. 1,100. I, I thought, well, I wasn't asking for, for a round of applause, uh, more like sympathy. No, I'm kidding. You know, and, and how many know that, that we don't, we're not just preaching to someone else. How many know that every time you prepare a message, you're speaking to yourself? And I was thinking, Lord, I must have needed a lot of messages. <laughs> you know, every time you're preparing a message, if you're a teacher or a leader or a pastor or whatever it is that God has you, maybe in your home or at the school or whatever it is you do, you know that God's challenging um, yourself uh, as well. And, you know, like I, I, I was just talking to someone as we walked out and the, uh, um, she, a, a gal asked me and she said, she said, I, I really had a struggle with singing that song about romance with God and I, and, and I said, why? And she says, isn't it the other way around and I, that we're romancing God? And I, I, I pointed out a few scriptures to her and I said, you know, it's the bride and the bridegroom. Who's the bride? We're the bride, right? We're the bride of Christ. Have you ever been to a wedding? Man, it, it's like, it, I'm telling you, when the bride walks out, it's like this is her best day. Uh, you know, you know, you look out and when the bride comes out, she's beautiful. And and I and I have stood, I've done lots of weddings where I've stood next to the to the groom. When the groom looks up and he sees his bride, he goes, "Yeah." You know, how many have experienced that? And and you know what? If you are married, it's supposed to grow and it's supposed to continue to grow. But but the Lord uses words like "I sing over you," "I dance over you." The Song of Solomon is written as a romance, and. We can't just emphasize that. How many know that God is also a king? But we can't just go, God's a king, God's a king, God's a king, and not realize that God also said that he's a friend. How many know God's a friend? And, and he's also a savior. He saves. He's a redeemer. He brings redemption. He's a restoring God. He's a providing God. He's Jehovah Jireh, right? God who brings provision. You know, God who takes away the bitter root. He's got all kinds of names. He calls, he's Elohim, the father, the one who is plural, but singular. You know, all these descriptions that talk about God. We serve an awesome God. He's almighty. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all benevolent. And guess what? He's the romancing God who loves his people and he draws them near. And he does more than the typical groom with the bride. You know, the groom probably brought flowers. You know, the groom 
probably took her out to a nice meal. You know, he does, he tries to get communication going. He tries to develop intimacy and eventually consummation. But can I tell you what God does? God takes away the sins of the world. He takes away your sins and he puts his spirit in your spirit. He puts his very soul into you, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. He's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. How many think this is pretty intimate? This is why we sing songs like romance. It's not because we want to lower or devalue the mightiness and the purity and the holiness of God. But we want to also acknowledge the fact that the gap between his perfection and our imperfection has been bridged to the cross of Christ. That's why Paul says, I preach Christ and him crucified. You know, it's the gospel. It's the power of salvation. It's redemption. It's God bringing us near to him. Well, I was uh, putting, you know, it, it's, you know, putting together a message for the life of the church, as you, many of you know. Um, you're not just going to grab some scripture and go, oh, this scripture kind of makes sense. You're, you're also trying to get a sense of what the Lord wants to speak. And um, as I was uh, searching the text, because I believe we're at a church at a crossroads. And what I mean by that is I really believe that the Lord has challenged us to where we are isn't good enough. Who we are isn't good enough. I'm not talking about numbers or attendance or money, nothing like that. I'm talking about devotion, devotion to God. How many would agree with this? How, how many would agree with this for your own family that the Lord is saying, come on, family, rise up, come on. And, and I believe that this works collectively. And, he, and uh, I was, as I was studying it, I was feeling conviction personally as well, just with things where God was going, Eric, how about this? Going, that's right, Lord. I don't know why I'm struggling with that. And, and little, he's just pointing little things. And it's not always like a perfect right or wrong. Sometimes they're just motives that God's changing, you know, of why you're doing things or why you don't do things. And I, I wrote down, I, I, I had a couple texts that I was looking at. One was in Jeremiah, and, um, who, who's obviously the weeping prophet who gets uh, invaded by uh, the Babylonians as a, when he's a ruler. And then, then I was looking at Jesus building the tower and, um, you know, and, you know, saying, count the cost if this army comes. Make sure that you're ready to go into battle before you decide to go. Otherwise, you're going to look like a fool. And then I, and then I looked at Jer, uh, Joshua toward the end of his life when he was kind of summarizing everything. And, uh, and the Lord really rang that out to me. And I, and I wrote the first word down, you know, and I wrote down serve. And, and, then, and then the next, then I wrote the next word. It was the word Toss. He's talking about tossing the idols. And, and, then, and then I wrote two E words that came right out of the text. And then the last one was love, love, loving God. And I just realized that my acrostic with those words was steel. And I said, this sermon has got to be called man of steel. How many say amen? <laughs> hey, I don't know if you could put up here where you are to make sure that I know where, you, where you're going with that, Matt, but that'd be great. How many men want to be the men of God, want to be the man of steel, and women as well? Come on. You know, the, the difference is, if, if you, I've watched Superman movies from, and cartoons from, from the time, I was born in 1962, so from probably 1968, um, I started watching the first cartoons, I remember. And, there, and there, how many know there's a couple bad Superman movies, and, and, and then there's the latest one that looks really cool, and, and they all have this one abiding story. And, there's, and Christianity is kind of a little bit in reverse. 
There's always a scene in the Superman where the dad who's from this other planet, you know, looks to his son and he says, I'm going to send you to this planet where they're really weak. And he's going, they're going to look at you as if you're a God. Um, but understand that, that you are, are the answer and the answer is going to come from your strength. But with us, it's the opposite. Our power is going to come from whose strength? We're, we, ours comes from God's strength. So we're a people of conviction, of power, but we're also a people of surrender and of yielding. There's always things that we face that are out of our control. And those are the times that we lean on the Lord, lean on him, trust with him with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll, he'll direct your steps. He'll lead you in the way everlasting. You know, the, a man's plan seem right to him, but the end of it leads to death. And so we trust in the Lord. So let's start off. I'm going to talk about this. And if you are Father's Day today, I'll, I'll have an extra emphasis for you for man of steel. And so be encouraged, man of God. We're going to start with this in Joshua 24, 9. Joshua 23, 24. Let me give you kind of a background. Joshua was a disciple of Moses. He had been raised with him. He had gone through. He was one of the ones in the book of Numbers when they went into the promised land and saw the potential there, when God said, this is your land, him and Caleb both came back with the report that God was going to do great things and that these people were giants and there was kings and kingdoms in that land, but that we could take them, and this is where God has promised, and all the children of Israel doubted. And they ended up with the whole group of them, them included, even though they had confidence, ended up being in, in the desert and then wandering for 40 years. How many want to skip the desert phase? I want Jesus' desert phase where I face the enemy and I tell him to get back off. Amen? Because I'm trusting that man lives not on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the confidence that I want to have. I want to have that confidence that says, I can trust the word. And they conquer all through these lands, and they take one king after another, um, and then... Joshua will be sitting at the end of his age, and he's giving them a report. Well, this is right after this part, and you, you, you see Balak here, the son of Zipper. Why don't you put there, and man of God, man of steel here, and say it with me. Say, God is with you. Turn, turn to a man of God. It's Father's Day today. Turn to a dad and go, God is with you, buddy. And another thing to be thankful of, it says here, Balak, son of Zipper. Just be glad your dad's not Zipper. Okay. <laughs> There's McFly, there's Zipper, but come on. These are not the names that you want. <laughs> What's your dad's name? Uh, uh, Zipper. Zipper. Flipper? No, 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 Zipper. Never mind. Let's just move on. Can we move on to something else? And, 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 and Balak and Zipper, it, it, it's devastation and, and swallow, swallowing up. These are the enemies of God that look to bring devastation like the enemy. They want to swallow up any victories, any hope. Any faith that you have or confidence that you have in the Lord, they want to do it. And this Balak is the king of Moab. Now, Moab, um, I'll be careful how I phrase it uh, for age groups, but Lot uh, um, was a couple of his um, offspring basically got him drunk and then had children there. And this is where Moab comes from. So I've always wondered why we named a city here named Moab, um, but I'll just roll with it. Um, the name translates beauty, and that's probably where they got the name beauty, but it's a deceptive beauty. 
It's meant to be a beauty that attracts you to the things of the world while neglecting you of the things of God. And one of the great enemies of the Lord through the scriptures and the Israelites were the Moabites and the Ammonites, which are all descendants from Lot in an unrighteous way. How how many want to get rid of the ungodly legacies in your life and see the fruitfulness of the Lord? And this is what the Lord would have us do. I have my own past that I want to see the effects of it gone, and I want to see the fruitfulness and righteousness of God come out of my life. So Balak here, um, this king of Moab, he sends for Balaam, who is one of the seven Gentile prophets that we see in the Old Testament. There's mostly Jewish prophets, but there are seven, including Job with the book of Job, and others that are Gentiles. They're not Jewish descent, but they're prophets of God, and God uses them. And Balaam wants the Israelites to suffer. And Balak, the king of Moab, wants to as well. And the way he wants to do it is he wants them to put a curse on themselves. So, so God says, or he goes to God and he says, I want to put a curse on them. And, and what kind? He says, where they curse themselves by their own sin, by their own imagination, by their lack of confidence, by their discouragement. I want to um, give them images, whether it's um, you know, worldly images or things enticing of the world. I want to distort them so that they'll put a curse on themselves naturally. And God steps in in front of the Israelites. So do I hear an Hallelujah. God steps in. Amen? God steps in. He's always stepping in. And God steps in and he protects them. And he says, he says, they are prepared to fight against Israel. He sent Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you, but I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. In other words, he sent this prophet to have power over you, but instead... I delivered you from his hand and he was forced to bless you. And Balaam did not like this. He wanted to curse the people. He wanted them to curse themselves. But God delivered them. How many say amen to that? This is the the faithfulness. God is with you. And then as you go to verse 11, the next slide, he says, then you crossed the Jordan. Remember that? You crossed the Jordan. You went across the river. Remember, Joshua was full of fear, and God said, be a man of courage. Be strong. Be courageous, Joshua. You know, Moses dies at this point. And, and, and all the Israelites could do was look over the, the riverside and, and see all the enemies of God, specifically the, the, uh, the, the tower or Jericho and its great walls. And, and there was no way they were going to find victory there, but they did with the power of God. And one by one, they destroyed the kings. And how many want the kings in your life destroyed? I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about where the enemy has set up camp in your life. And God's saying, drive it out. Drive it out. And he names them. The cities of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all the tites. Right? And I gave them into your hands. God said, I gave them, I gave you the victory. And he said, I sent the hornet nest around you. You know, the hornet that that flies around, I confused them. The hornet's translation word is discouragement. I discouraged the enemy. You think you're discouraged when you're facing trials? Think of the enemy's discouragement. He knows he's going against God and you together. And emphasis on God. But the enemy was always discouraged. The Israelites, they have God. What do we do? How are we going to win? Right? Started with Jericho when you have Rahab the prostitute making bargaining 
bargaining right from Jericho, becoming part of the lineage of Christ, just with that little compromise. And here you have it right here. I gave them in your hands. I sent the hornet nest ahead of you, which drove them out before you. And I love the Old Testament because all the scripture, because it always adds these little details. And it says, and also the two Amorite kings. It's like God's going... I gave you this, and I took care of this, and I took all those. And, and also, remember those two Amorite kings? And all the Israelites are going, that's right. Remember those Amorite kings? You know, how many have some Amorite kings you need kicked out of your life? Okay? Well, also them. God got rid of them. He's on our side. Now, turn to the next one here. And listen, God, emphatically here. You did not do it with your own sword and your bow. And, and that's, you know, it reminds me of our country and how... Much confidence we have in our military, and uh, you know, and I'm I'm glad that we have Apache helicopters, and I'm glad you know that we have all this electronics, you know. But but they say that in the future, you know, one electromagnetic pulse nuclear bomb could over Kansas could knock a lot of that electronics out, send you back in the Stone Age. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying is you can't put your hope in the strength of horses. The Scripture says, Amen. Our confidence, even as a nation, needs to be in the Lord. Not in the, just the wise policies and the good stewardship of our government. That's important. And it's not just the, you know, the fortitude of the people. But our power and our hope needs to be in the Lord God Almighty. He says, you didn't do it with your own sword. So I gave you a land on which you didn't toil. So God's saying, you didn't take the enemy down. I did. And then listen, he says, and I gave you the land which you didn't cultivate it. You didn't sweat over it and made it. You entered into the land. And it's kind of like when you buy a house and all of a sudden you walk in and you go, man, this kitchen already looks good. You know, of course, how many have been to a fixer upper? You know what that's like. But God's kind of saying, no, remember, I gave you the, the wood when you walked in the kitchen and it was exactly like you like it. You know, you didn't have to toil after. That's, just, that's hard work over a period of time. And cities you didn't build. You know, the Hittites set up these elaborate cities. And so did the Phoenicians and the Babylonians. They're a very organized culture. You know, a lot of type A people. But they walked in and just took over. Coming from a nomadic tent living into cities with strong houses. And he goes, and you live in them. And you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. Remember, Caleb and Joshua had gone in those lands 40 years and goes, man, everything's big. The corn's bigger, you know, everything's taller. The burgers are this big. No, I'm kidding, that's just me. <laughs> and he goes, you didn't plant it. He goes, you, God's saying, there weren't your weapons. It wasn't your sweat. You didn't construct anything. You didn't sow and reap. And how many could say right now, I was rescued by the power of God? Come on, raise your hand and give glory to God or yourself. Give it to God and say, I was saved. I was rescued by God. He came in and called me out of darkness and brought me into light. By the way, I'm not angry if I get passionate here. Okay, I'm just, I'm excited about the text. Amen? And he goes, and he goes olive groves that you didn't plant. Okay, now listen, and we're going to go to number one. This is the S of steel here. Number one, man of steel, serve your God. Listen to God now. He gives this explanation through Joshua. Remember, I'm giving it to you as a message. You've just heard me talk for five or 10 minutes. They had walked and seen victory after victory. They were in the battles. They saw enemies that were bigger than them crushed and defeated. They saw them surrender and become followers of God. 
They, it was an amazing um, tr- uh, uh, um, um, victory over a long period of time. And now they're at the end of the ages, end of their uh, era. And then they're looking here. And now, listen to God saying, I won this. And you remember this. And you saw what I did. And now he's bringing it to a conclusion. Joshua is saying, now as a people, listen. Now, he says, fear the Lord. I'm not talking about now be scared of God. He's saying, now, respect. Look at what God has done. Look at what he accomplished. Give him the worthiness that's due his name. And he says, and serve him with all faithfulness. Means all continuity, all regularity, with consistency. You've seen what God can do. Let's not ever be a religion of works that try to please God by trying to find our, you know, through our works that we're going to get pleased. We're saved by the grace of God. That's why Christ came. But now that we're rescued by God, let us not sin and sit on the sideline. Amen? Let us become a devoted people. Excuse me. How do we serve the Lord? By making him, like Jody said, first in our lives. That he's he's number one. If you ask yourself this, what is that one thing that you're devoted to? You know, if we serve the Lord with our time, and I'm not just talking about being in church all the time. Uh, You know, with with Sunday, when when we come together as a congregation across the cities, what we do is, is we are... A light to the city. I think, I have said this before, but I believe with all my heart. I believe the church ought to be here early in the morning. Second service, come to the first service and serve the first service. First service, come and serve the second service. And you'll find out there's a lot of people doing children's ministry and all kinds of stuff from the first service that are serving you. That's all they're doing. They're serving you. They're making things available to you. You know, the thing I love about Joshua, he wasn't like, and this is so typical of our American culture. You know, they're like, I go to church so I can get a message so I can be empowered for myself. Joshua was a servant and a leader of the people. Can I hear the people? It's the body of Christ. I love Jesus. I just don't like his people. Well, then you don't like him. You just like his head. Can I tell you something? Where is body? Yeah, but he looks out of shape. You still got to like him. Yeah, but they feel like they need a vitamin. Why don't you go buy a vitamin? Amen? We are all part of the body. Isn't that true? We are connected to one another. Every part is important. Listen, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. So the first S is serve. The next one is man of steel. Number two, toss your idols. Look what he says. Fear the Lord, serve him with all faithfulness. Joshua does not say this lightheartedly. It's not like we're just seeing Joshua, you know, pick up a broom and Joshua's just kind of sweeping in the back and they go, wow, look at the servant of God. How many know that Joshua went to battle and he fought? He was a trainer. He trained the army. He was a military leader as well. You know, he was an orator. He learned how to speak. He was confident in all kinds of things because of what the Lord did. The same with Joshua. He was an administrator, or Caleb. He was an administrator. He was a leader. He was victorious. You know, he was an elder in the land. You know, 
their picture. And they weren't serving themselves like at the end, they just go, well, now we're all going to go our separate ways. No, when people go their separate ways, that's after the enemy takes you over. Then they are divided into factions and they're scattered. The Lord brings back his people together. Do I hear an amen? He gathers them together. This is what the call in life of the church is. Those called out to be one. We are one heart. We are one mind. We stand together. This is the call in the life. Listen to what he says to them. Number two, throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt. And what? Say it one more time. Serve. Serve the Lord with all faithfulness with all consistency, with all regularity, you know, serve the Lord in faithfulness. Throw away the gods. You know, Psalm 96, 5, it says, all the gods of the nations are but idols, but the Lord created the heavens and the earth. You know, we we look at this and we say, what are the gods that we're supposed to get rid of? The things that we worship above serving the Lord. You know, it's, I have met, and I'm just gonna be straight honest with you. I meet people who are, are Christians and they're and they're walking with God, but sometimes their priorities are way off. And I'll say, "What's going on?" And, and I'm telling you, like serving the Lord is like number nine on their list. Serving their business, serving their career, serving their things—that's that's number one, way above everything else. It's like serving the Lord is kind of another sideline, you know. It's like loving the Lord is like way way down. They have a ton of idols, just like. You know, and, and listen, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, you, you can't, whatever you devote your heart to, whether it's finances, whether it's resources, whatever you devote yourself to, that is what your God becomes. Because we are built to worship. We are created to worship the Lord. How many when we were singing today and you just got that right song felt like, man, this is what I'm made for. I am made to worship the Lord. And that's what it is. When, when God delivered the children of Israel, he says, come and bring them to the mountain so they can worship me. That's the call. And guess what? Guess how the book of Revelation ends? Do you think it ends? We're all sweeping with brooms up there. Does it end up we're all we're in separate rooms with our own Game Boys and our own droids and iPhones? And I'm not against those. Thus, I have this. But can I tell you? What are we going to be doing up there? And, and I, I, I hear people say, what are you just going to be singing up there? Have you not experienced the presence of God? If you've experienced the presence of God, you know exactly why we're going to be with him. I'm going to say amen. You, if you just had a touch from the Lord and sense his peace, when I got saved, when God got a hold of me, he filled me up with so much of his presence. I was literally so blown away that I, I literally, it's like I went from drinking and weed and coke and all the stuff I was doing where it was like kaboom, gone. Because the presence of God was just so much more amazing. And it brought a peace with it that transcended my knowledge. And I thought, and, and, I, and I knew God was alive and God was saying, I'm the one who made you. I'm the one who draws you near. Listen, turn to someone and tell them, say, toss away your idols. Just, tell, just toss them away. And this isn't the picture, this isn't the picture, by the way, of Joshua going, okay, listen, you guys, I want you to serve the Lord, and now come on, toss away your idols, come on. This is Joshua going, man, toss away the idols. 
You've seen everything God has done. You know how much power he has. Don't put your fear in these other idols and put your confidence here. He goes, just get rid of them. The ones, I could see the Israelites going, which ones? And he's going like, you know, the ones from the enemies, the ones from Egypt. Come on, all of them. Just get rid of them. Why put your hope in those things? God is the God of our hearts. Toss your idols. And number three is examine. Examine. And then he comes up. Joshua lays it out. There's the idols. There's the God that delivered you. The God that has the power. The God, fear him, serve him, serve these idols. And then he just lays it out there. He goes, all right. And he's going he's gonna to use this word that we've seen in, if you've ever watched any Egyptian or Hebrew movie on television. There's a movie that you hear called Ra, Ra. It's a, it's a Hebrew word that means bad or evil, you know, or, or, it's a, or undesirable. It's a bad thing. He's saying, but if serving the Lord, if, if this devotion to God by him first with your time, him first with your heart, him first with your resources, him first with, with your purpose, if that doesn't work for you, he goes, if, 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 and it's not, it's not only that, and you have to really catch the nuances in the Hebrew here. He says, if serving the Lord seems like raw to you, a bad thing, like someone says, you got to put God first in your finances, you're like, oh, it's, like, it's a bad thing. Or someone says, you know, you, you need to put God first in, in your service, in your heart. And you go, that seems bad. There's other things that seem better. Those are my gods, not this one. This one's undesirable to me. It's, it's not good for me. It's raw, you know? And he, he says, you know, if that, if that serving of God and coming together in a New Testament picture of being that light of Christ, the, the body coming together, Christ and his body being the light of the world, that's like raw. It's undesirable. Uh, I'd rather just do my own thing. This is what he says. Then choose for yourselves. Can everyone say this day? This day. This, is, this text is embedded in here. It's choose this day who you're going to serve. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? And then he just gives them the, he gives them the choice right here. Whether it's the God your forefathers served. You know that. Just look back and watch the bondage of the past. And I'm not saying everybody here has a bad past. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying is that you know the struggles and the idols. He goes, remember the gods they served? And he goes, and remember that beyond the river, which is kind of the boundary line that the Lord had put for safety? You know, go beyond that. Go beyond the safety. Go beyond the, where the safety lines are. Or the God of the Amorites. You know, the gods that captivate you. The gods that put the images before you and capture you with the images. In whose land you're living. In other words, it's all around you. You're in their land, but instead of driving them out or converting them, you've adopted, you've become them. He goes, choose it. He goes, you can serve the Lord, fear him in all faithfulness. Or, you know, you can give yourself over to the gods that are of the land. Just be a devoted person there. And he says, and I love this. And he goes, in whose land you're living? And this is where, this is where I'm going to just challenge dads because this is a dad speaking here. This is Joshua, who's, who's not only just kind of, well, I'll do it, but I don't know what my kids are doing. I don't know what my wife's doing. He's going, let me speak for our household. He's talking about a lineage. 
What you do will affect the legacies to come. You see great leaders rise up in our nation, different places, and they impact our culture and our, and our country for generations to come. Their household, their gener- genealogy, it moves down. And it's like we all get this choice to make that break. And it's like he's saying, listen, but as for me, let me just speak for me. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I've told you what it is, what he did, and you remember what the enemy did. And I see what's happening now, and I'm telling you, choose today. Choose today. Where are you going to be? Honestly, where are you going to be? But me, my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what we'll do. Listen, I cannot more strongly without manipulating. I do not want to manipulate, but I want to inspire you. I want to inspire you to think about it and to really ask yourself with great sincerity, just say, am I a man of God? Am I a woman of God who belongs to the Lord? We are saved by grace. You could work till the cows come home. I don't know if that works. There you go. But when they do come home, you cannot earn your salvation. Christ has done the work. Having said that, just like this scripture, God worked for you. He drove out the enemies. He did all this. But now, how about you? Are you going to be the person who is devoted to God? Are you going to be the person who says, Lord, I'm yours and you're mine? Like Song of Solomon with the romance. My lover is mine and I am his. There is something about that that says, Lord, my heart's open-minded. It's, it's growing. <sighs> Go ahead and put the, the next one. In Romans one twenty five. it says, they, they, and this is the people who decide not to go that way. It says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. And I have to tell you, it is the biggest idolatry in our world that you can go to someone and you can ask them, don't say, don't bring God into the thing. Just say, what do you worship? Like, what's the most important thing to you? And you could talk to some people and at the end of the conversation, they go, golf. Golf is their thing. Another, I have other people who worship their retirement. They, they strive toward, they work. Some people are building their kingdom. It reminds me of when Solomon was building the Lord's temple and he built this temple of the Lord. It was magnificent. And then when he built his own thing, it was like five times the size. It was so amazing. It was like, it was like as if the Lord saying, Solomon, is that where your heart is? And where did his heart go? Ah, check her out. Check her out. Check her out, right? He decided instead of the glory of God, it became the glory of Solomon, didn't it? How many say amen to that? And his glory was so much bigger, so much grander than what he did for the Lord. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God, verse 23 says from that Romans, for images. Instead of the creator who creates all things, we serve the things that he made rather than that. Now, I believe that we need to serve people. How many believe we need to serve people? Have you ever served people and been disappointed? Never. 
I was going to say all men are liars, but all women are liars too. Then that's from the, from the scriptures right there. Listen, can I tell you, that's why the Bible says, serve unto who? Unto the Lord. We serve people even unto the Lord. Not that we don't care about them. That's not, you know. What will people exchange for the glory of God? You know, the glory of images, the glory of man, the glory of their own purpose, a thirst for pleasure. Mark 13, 32 says, it's like a man going away to his kingdom. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge. That's us. He puts us in charge of the house. We are in charge of the body. It's called a big house, the body of Christ. Each, you're not just in charge of yourself. Men of God, women of God, you're in charge of the people of God. Each with his assigned task. Everyone is a part of the body and each member has his own part. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Keep watch. You don't know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Do you believe that sometimes, be honest, that you've been sleepwalking? That you've been kind of walking around in your sleep and just going, you know, the, glory, the grace of God's coming. It's going to help kick it in. And boy, the Lord wants us to engage, doesn't he? He wants us to engage, number four. Whatever you do, work at it. Wow. One more time, not, come on, let's say it as we mean it. Whatever you do, one more time, work at it with all your heart. You know, you, you, you see me up here and I'm getting, hey, I'm excited about this. You go, man, man, you might be overdoing it, pastor. Love the Lord with all your, right? That is not weird. Not doing it to God is weird, right? The mighty, almighty, omnipotent God who is before all things, the everlasting Father, is glory that fills the whole earth, the Bible says. Boy, he deserves all of our mind and all of our strength and all of our soul, our suke, our you know, the very essence of who we are, our strength, our fortitude, our service. Fear the Lord and serve him. I'm not talking about earning your salvation. Jesus died on the cross to save sinners. Any sinners out there? Okay, you can be saved. Say, Jesus died on the cross for me. And this is what he did. Amen? And he says, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Men will disappoint you. Leaders will disappoint you. Your family will disappoint you. I'm not doing the dishes anymore. Look at my family. No, you don't go in there. I'm doing it for them. You go, Lord, I'm doing it for them, but I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it unto you, Lord. That's why our relationship with the Lord is so important. That's why it, what, what, what you're really doing for will come out in the end. And he says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, you know that you will receive an inheritance. It is the Lord Christ you are what? Serving. We are serving. Serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord, not men, says Ephesians. In him, the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
We are called to be a strong, mighty sense of who Christ is to the world. This is the church. It's not like the American view of church. Hey, man, you know, did you check out that podcast from that cool church called The Cool Church? Yeah, it's really cool, man. Did you check out the worship team? Yeah, it's really cool. You know, it's a really good song, man. So would you go there, man? I got some tools so I could be better in my life and my life and my stuff and my things. Listen, he who does not deny himself cannot follow me. He does not lose his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel cannot be my disciple. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he cannot. He is not fit for the kingdom, right? Boy, how many know you picked the wrong church this morning? You go, man, I should not have come. You know, I am not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to inspire you to embrace the call of God. How many say amen? Amen. Listen, I'm going to finish with the last one, the L here. Love God. This This is one of Jeremiah's last words. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. To this day, Every enemy that came against you looked like they were winning, but they didn't. You might be facing death. The Lord can conquer death. He can also bring you to heaven. One man of you puts to flight a thousand. And this multiplication exponential factor in the scripture is there. You know, you, you flee, one, seven flee at you, but, or one flees at you, and they flee in a bunch of different directions. You know, Curses a couple generations, but to those who know God, to those who love him, a blessings to a thousand generations. This thousand, it says, be careful then. Be very careful. God did all this stuff. He did all this amazing stuff. He drove out your enemies, great nations. He did all these amazing things. No man ever defeated you. No army stood against you. Not people, not army, not nations. And he goes, and one man of you, one man of you, one person routed a thousand. And we defeated kings that came at us with large numbers and we won. And he says, be very careful. Be careful. Do it carefully. Therefore, to love the Lord your God, do I hear an amen. Love him. Fear. Serve him. Make yourself available to the kingdom. Don't wait for anyone. Make yourself available, not just on your own. I'm going to love God in my closet. Yes, there is a prayer closet. But you also come out to the body and you build it up as it builds itself up as one heart and one mind.